Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right. Well, again, super glad uh, you're here today. I want to show you, well, before I do this, um, I want you to know this. So like this morning and, and just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just was kind of feeling blah. I don't know if the weather helps me do that. I don't know if that's for you either, um, but just kind of like trying to get through the motions of what needs to be done and accomplished today. And um, I was just struck during our time of prayer as a team this morning. It's like, um, it really doesn't matter how I feel. Right, because like God is worthy of glory and worship and and praise and all, and my very very best, whether I'm in the mood or whether I'm not in the mood. And so I just want you to know, like as your pastor, um, maybe you're wrestling with that today. I'm wrestling with it too. And so I just really want to give uh, God my absolute best uh, through our teaching today. So uh, hopefully you see Him far more than you see me uh, today. But I did want to show you. Start off with a picture. It's a picture of what I would consider my greatest work in this life so far, right? Uh, so this is my kids, right? Um, so that's uh, Jackson is our oldest, and then Levi. He looks a little different now because his mouth's full of metal. Uh, and then uh, Hendrix is in the middle, and then Karis, uh, that's our youngest, our daughter. Um, that, that furry one in the middle, he technically belongs to us, but he's not one of our kids. Um, and, uh, but I think about this, this is, this is the greatest work that, that I've accomplished so far, in, in this life, and, and I love them deeply. Um, we, we talk together, and, and I listen to what they have to say. Um, I, I pray for them, right? Like, I, I don't just pray for them now. Um, I'm, I've been praying for their spouses, if God's going to lead them to take the step of marriage. I've been praying for their pastors, uh, whatever church they're going to go to. Um, I, I've been praying that God would lead them thoughtfully uh, moving ahead. Um, and, and I just, I like being with them most of the time, right? Like, <laughs> They're kids. And so, um, you know, I just, I really, I care about them deeply and I love our relationship. And within all of that, I, there are things that I want them to do, right? Like there's work that I want them to engage in. Uh, so there's like chores around the house that I want them to accomplish. Uh, there's a certain kind of uh, code that we talk about often that the Belos live by, um, you know, how they uh, interact with the Lord, um, all of those things. And one of the things that's pretty common in our household is uh, if if I leave later in the morning, uh, sometimes I leave pretty early before anybody even gets up, but if they're up, uh, we'll kind of see each other. And I'll say, hey, I'm leaving. And, and they'll come and they'll, from wherever they're at, they'll kind of come running and they'll say, hey, you know, give me a hug and, you know, have a great day and enjoy work and things like that. And one of the things I'll say to them before I leave is, hey, find somebody to intentionally serve or bless today, right? And one of the last things I'll say to them is, please don't waste your day on yourself, okay? So that's a regular thing. And so a lot of times I come home and my kids will say, hey, dad, I, I, I served this person or, you know, Hendrix was being mean, but I still did nice things. Uh, you know, and you know, it's like, like, you know, they're kind of tattling. <laughs> but, uh, and then they're like lifting themselves up and see, I'm so, I should be the favorite, uh, right? I don't have a favorite. Yes, I do. Uh, no. <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's common, right? Please don't waste your day on yourself, and, and that's a weird thought and statement in, in, our, in our culture, right? 
because we've actually been really accepted the exact opposite, right? You know what we live in? We live in a treat yourself culture, right? Uh, you're right. Just treat yourself, right? Take care of yourself. You need it, right? Some of you guys know exactly where it's coming from, and you're going back to those places right now. But it's this, this treat yourself, take care of yourself. And what's interesting is that culture has actually made its way into the church. The reality has always been there, okay? It's actually not new. It's always been there. The difference is is actually what we did is we used to resist it. We used to resist the idea that when we gathered together for church, it was about me and that it was for me somehow, right? Actually, when Christians would gather, they knew when they gathered, this is actually not for me. This is actually for the Lord. This is for, we gather because he asked us to. And, and whether I like the music and whether, you know, the teaching was spot on or it was dry or whatever, like I'm here to bless the Lord. And, and so it was resisted, right? It was just seen as appalling that you would make a church service about yourself, right? And, and make it all about here because it was really all about there. But what's happened is, is there's been this shift that has taken place over, over decades, right? It's not new, it's not new, like in the last 10 years. I don't even want to blame like millennials and Gen X for everything. You can't, <laughs> right? Uh, boomers are a part of this. The greatest generation is part of it, all of that. And so it's been there for, for decades. And, and what we have now is we actually have generations of Christians who, who are just simply waiting for God to do everything, right? For, they're just waiting for God to serve them. They're, they're waiting for God to take care of absolutely everything. And it's like, well, you know, if, if God wanted me to do that, then he would like, he would prompt me to do it, right? He'd put like a passion in me and he'd, he'd, he'd want me, he'd like tell me to go forgive that person that I don't want to forgive, right? If God really wanted me, then, then I would have this overwhelming peace and I wouldn't be afraid of anything and nothing would ever be hard again. And I would just, you know, like float down the river of life in my little inner tube and, and God would take care of it all. And so we have this generation, we have gen, not just one, generations of Christians who sit in buildings on Sunday mornings and, and we're just waiting around for heaven, we're just waiting around for heaven, you know? It's like, make it through now, and, and then life will be much, much better when you get there. But he, here's the thing. I want to say this. If, if, you're, if you're simply waiting around for heaven, I, I need to say something to you. If you're, if you're just taking up space, and you're waiting around for heaven to come, and, and hopefully things work out okay for you, you're in danger, okay? You're actually in danger. And, and what you're in danger of is coming to the place at the end of your life and standing before Jesus Christ and he looks at you and he says these words, away from me, I never knew you, right? Jesus tells a story about that, Matthew 25, 26, right? That's like, you know, well, wait a second. We, 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 when did we see you? When did we, when did we, you know, all this stuff. And Jesus says, whatever you Whatever you didn't do for the least, you didn't do for me, right? Matthew 7, there's passages in there. Jesus says, there's people, but wait a second, we did stuff, we prayed, we, we, whatever. And he says, no, you, you, didn't, you didn't know me. And so what I, want, what I don't want that for you, right? I don't, what I'd rather have for you is that actually at the end of your life, when you stand before Jesus, you enter into joy, and Jesus looks at you and says, well done. Well done. 
Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. Come celebrate. Come, right? All of that. And so I, I, that's, that's what I really want for you. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for my kids, right? All of that. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at some truth from the Bible about God's work, okay? And what that looks like in our lives as well. So if you brought a Bible, I want you to open up to Ephesians chapter 2. That's in the New Testament, kind of in the middle of the New Testament. Uh, it's after all the Corinthians and Galatians, but before Philippians and uh, Colossians. So if, uh, Ephesians 2, or you can click over there on your device. We're actually wrapping up our series we started just a couple weeks ago called Yes, uh, the God of Mission has a church. And um, yeah, we're, we've been talking about who we are as a church family, vision, values, uh, all of those things. And uh, we're going to wrap that up today. And while you're going there, I do just want to take a moment. I want to welcome some of our other locations that are joining us. So if you're at Lighthouse Online, uh, if you're at Bluffton Community, Fostoria Community, super glad you are with us today. And then if you're here in the house, thanks for joining us too. We're actually going to read from Ephesians chapter 2. And we're just, uh, the main passage we're going to kind of live in today is verse 10. And so let's actually do this. Let's uh, let's read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, out loud, uh, with lots of joy and enthusiasm on this rainy day, starting with, for we are, are you ready? Go. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Yeah. So what I want to do really quick is I want to look at two truths, just very briefly, uh, about God's work. And here's the first one that comes out of this passage. It's that God's greatest work is for you. Let me say that again. God's greatest work is for you. Now, what Paul writes here is he says, we are his workmanship. The literal translation of that pat, that phrase is actually, uh, we are, we exist as the work of God. And, and that work is this really unique Greek word. The ancient Greeks would actually use it to refer to this thing of beauty, right? This masterpiece. They would use it to talk about sculptures and poems and the way some guy, you know, made a, made a, a, a pot or a, or a vase or a vase, or a, or a vase, or however you say that. Uh, but anyways, so they, it was this very beautiful thing, and they'd say, that is a work, right? And that's the language that Paul is writing. He says, you exist as a work of God. And when he says that, one of the things that he's pointing back to is he's hearkening back to Genesis chapter 1, when God created humanity. And one of the things that God said about humanity is he said, let's create mankind in our image, right? I want you to think about this for just a moment. If you go back and you look at Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, you see that when God is creating the universe, right? Stars, worlds, um, you know, every, the water, sky, all of that kind of stuff. You actually see that when God's creating all of that, he is speaking it into existence, right? He's just, he's saying light and light appears. He's, he's saying, separate the waters and the waters separate, right? He's just commanding it and he brings it into existence by the power of his word. But then when you get to the creation of mankind, do you see what God does is different? It plays out a little bit more in detail in Genesis chapter two. God does not speak humanity into existence. What does God do when he creates mankind? Anybody know? Yeah, so one is he breathes 
his own life, his own spirit into them. What else does he do with, creation, uh, with mankind that's different from creation? What is it? Creates them from the dust. Yes, and there's a language, there's, perfect. There's a language that's used in there that it's he, he formed them. He formed mankind from the dust of the earth, right? He's speaking stars into existence. He's speaking planets into existence. He's speaking, right, all of this stuff. And yet when it came to you, he took the time to form. It's very intimate, right? It's very detailed. He's breathing his life into us. And so you have to know that you are God's Work. You're his masterpiece, right? What's amazing is he creates all this stuff and then he creates mankind. Do you know what happens after he creates mankind? He says something about, what does he say at the end of every day after he creates? He, he declares it as, how does he declare creation after he creates man? He calls it very good. And then what does he do after that? He rests. He rests. I'm done. I'm done. I've, I've created the apex among creation, right? And so you, were, you exist as a work of God. And then Paul goes on to say, created in Christ Jesus. And that word created literally means to make habitable. It's like fixing up a house, right? So that somebody can live in it. I, I remember when Christine and I, we were buying our very first home, right? We're in our 20s and we're getting ready to take this big step. And we found this house and, and it was rough. Okay, I'll admit that it was rough, but I saw the vision of what it could be. Christina didn't see the vision, but I did, right? And so, uh, so we're like, let's take a chance on this thing. And so we put in an offer, and we're, we're walking through the house. But we know it was weird, though. Um, so when we went to go visit this house, there was a woman who was living there. Uh, she was, like, divorced from the owner and whatever. Uh, but she, she made the point. She's like, I'm not going to leave, right? Like, even if this house is sold, I'm not leaving. And uh, so she was, like, there during the viewing or whatever. Uh, well, that's for funerals, but the showing. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, she's there for the showing, and, like, she's just there, right? She's, like, I think she's, like, in her bathrobe or underwear. You know, it's, like, so, it was so weird, and, uh, but I saw the vision. I saw the vision. Uh, long story short, uh, we decided to pull out of that thing, right, pull back our offer, and it's, like, oh, that's too much. <laughs> it's way too much. We ended up buying another house. I had the same guy do the inspection for both houses, and I said, hey, what do you think? Did we make a good decision with the second house compared to the first? And he goes, um, let, let me tell you what I would do. He said, I would buy a bottle of wine, and I would buy a thank you card, and I would send both of those to the lady who wouldn't leave your first house. <laughs> That's what I think about your decision. And so, uh, yeah, but it, that house, it was too much, right? It was too much effort. There's too much work. We were not ready to deal with a lady in a robe uh, who wouldn't leave. Uh, that just wasn't for us. It was too much, and we gave up. But here's what you need to know. God didn't give up on you. He saw all the, he saw all the work that was needed. Right? He saw all the sin, he saw all your anger, he saw all your lusts, he saw, he saw all the ways that you choose yourself over him, he saw all the things you wrestle with, right? Uh, past and future, and he didn't give up on you, right? A actually, what's interesting, that's what Ephesians chapter 2, the first part of Ephesians 2 is all about. I just want to read this really quickly for you, uh, starting in verse 1. This is, this is who we are, right? Like, imagine this. Uh, imagine that you were a house for sale, and this was the listing and how it described you, right, to people who would come and do a showing. 
Uh, and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, right? I don't think you're scheduling a lot of showings with a listing like that, right? But look at verse 4. Let's read those first two words together. You ready? Go. But God, that's the game changer. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. That's what Paul's talking about when he says you're created in Christ. You're actually recreated in Christ you're born again, right? God is transforming you. God saw the vision of what your life would look like under his leadership redeemed for his purposes, right? That's a beautiful thing. And so what's happening is actually God is creating. He's making habitable in you a place for his Holy Spirit to live. I want you to think about that, right? He's making you habitable, for his Holy Spirit to live. Do you, do you see how valuable you are to the Lord? Do you realize how much he loves you and he cares for you? Right? He's created you. He's redeemed you, all of that. But I would say as cool as that is, I would love to say this. Do you see how amazing God is? Do you see how good God is? Do you see how faithful God is? Do you see how merciful and grace-filled and splendid and glorious and majestic that God, I mean, right? He's true to himself. He loves, he's unselfishly committed to others through actions. It's like, when I see that, it's like, Lord, why would you do that? Why would you do that for me? How could you do that for me? No one else has done something like that for me. And so you get my life, you get all of my life, and I don't care what anybody else thinks because nobody else has done for me what you've done for me. So why do I give a rip? I want to I live for you. And so you have to see that God's greatest work has been done for you. But here's the second thing that Paul talks about, and the second truth is this, is that God has work for you to do. God has work for you to do. And so he says, you're created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, I want to be ultra clear here before we go much further, is that you are not saved by good works. All right? So please don't confuse that. What you are saved for is you're saved for God, and the result of that is you're, then you're used for good works. Okay? So what happens is God's grace comes first, and then out of that flows good works. If you reverse that, you've now just crossed into religion and you're trying to earn your own salvation and there's no value of Jesus Christ in your life if you are trying to earn your salvation by doing good things, okay? So it's grace first and then the good works flow out of that. And by the way, God's always been that way. Some people go, well, the God of the Old Testament is very different from the God of the New Testament. No, he's not. No, he's not. That is like some made-up argument from people who don't read the, the Bible, okay? Let me tell you why. Go look at Exodus, okay? Old Testament, all about sacrifice, all about all this stuff. Where do you find Israel in Exodus? They're in slavery to Egypt, and they can't break free. And what does God do? 
he breaks them free. <laughs> he shows them his grace. Then you fast forward a little bit. They show up to his place called Mount Sinai. And what does God give to them after he showed them his grace? He gives them the law. Good works, right? Grace first, good works come second, right? That's how it works. Uh, you see that in even the chapter two of Ephesians, right? It's by grace through, or, uh, yeah, by grace through faith you've been saved, not by works. This is a gift of God so that nobody can boast. So, right, it's grace, grace, grace. And then you get to verse 10. You're created for good works in Christ Jesus, right? Go do them. Uh, this is the book of James, right? Like faith comes first, works come afterwards. And in fact, if good works don't come afterwards, you have to, you have to question the faith. That's the whole point of James, right? If your life isn't transformed, you have to question, what did you really put your faith in? That's what a 16th century theologian, John Calvin, wrote. And I think this is very helpful. He wrote this. He said, faith alone saves. Nobody's questioning that. And then he says this, but faith that saves is not alone. Faith alone saves, but faith that saves is not alone. It always comes with transformation. It comes with trusting God. It comes with those good works. And so God empowers us for these good works because he's calling us to be like him, right? We're, we're becoming into even more so into the image of God. And so think about this, right? I was thinking about the Trinity uh, this week. And so you have the father who does the good work of providing and, uh, and even judgment, right? That's a good work too. Uh, then you have the son who does the good work of revealing the father. He does the good work of redemption. You have the Holy Spirit who does the good work of convicting, of, uh, convicting us of our sin. He empowers us to do the things that God calls us to do. Even the angels have work to do, right? They serve as messengers uh, for what God asks them to do. Creation has work, right? Creation, what does it do? It declares the glory of God. It points to his divine power and his attributes, right? That's Romans 1 and the Psalms. And so God has work for all of his creation. He has work for you to do as well. And think about this, work that he prepared ahead of time, right? It's not like last minute going, oh, I forgot to have somebody pick up donuts at Walmart. Hey, can you go do this, right? It's like, no. Like God has, he's prepared ahead of time work for you to do. Think about that. God has work for you to do. Do you know what that means? God's been thinking about your life from before creation. And he has ways that he wants you to join and participate in the kingdom. Not be a spectator. Not sit back and, and float down the lazy river of spirituality, but rather to partner with him in the kingdom, right? This is the same thing Jesus did. Think about it. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus calls his disciples. What does he say to his disciples? He, he sees Peter, he sees John, he sees some other guys, and he says, hey, follow me. Follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so inherent in all that is walk with me, come with me. I'm going to show you what I do. I'm going to empower you to do the things that even I do, right? And so God's prepared us for works. What are those works? I think the easiest thing to do to answer that question is to just look at the life of Jesus. Read through the Gospels and look at the life of Jesus. What are some of the works that Jesus did? Well, he taught scripture. He prayed for people. Uh, he, he, he brought healing. 
into people's lives. He was present. He welcomed uh, the outsiders and the strangers. He, he served, he fought for justice among the oppressed. He cared for the poor, right? He worshiped God. He, here's all of the things that Jesus did. And it's like, that's probably a good starting place. What are the works that God would have for me to do? Uh, well, praying, right? God may be calling you to teach other people about truth from Scripture, maybe through a small group, maybe, uh, you know, maybe here, maybe at one of our other locations, you know, something like that, but right, engage in that. Because you have to know this, that God has done a work in you through Christ so that God can do work through you in the world. God has done work in you through Christ so that he can do his work through you in the world. And so I feel like that begs the question, it's like, okay, if that is true, and and it is, by the way, uh, what do I do with that then? What does all of that look like? Well, um, that's what we've been talking about. And what we would say is uh, help other people say yes to Jesus' leadership in their lives. I think that's, that's actually how we can be a part of doing that here. We've been talking about that for the last three weeks, right? We've been talking about our vision. Uh, Larry, one of our elders, did a phenomenal job teaching on the six outcomes. Uh, by the way, we call those the, the, uh, the six he's. Those are the things that God does, right? He brings people to faith. He enables them to hear his voice, uh, to enjoy his grace, to take steps of growth, discover their spiritual gifts and join him in the rescue of saving people from sin and death. And so that's all the stuff that God does. We call those the six he's. And so I think what, we, what I want to do right now is I want to talk about our six values, which would be the six we's. These are the things that we do to help people say yes to Jesus. There's actually a green insert. We tried to find the absolute brightest paper that we possibly could find so that you couldn't miss it. But this is actually our vision document. This is what uh, how Lighthouse operates, right? How Bluffton, how Foster, how as a family of churches, we operate using this vision document. And so if you look on the back, that's those six we's. Those are the things that we do. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but I just want to work through very quickly what those are and what that looks like. And so the first one is this, is that we are clear about truth from the Bible. Uh, we're doing that right now, by the way. <laughs> we're trying to help us be really clear about who God is from Scripture. And, and I would say this. Helping others to discover God's character from Scripture may be some of the most profound work that we engage in. Because when people see God with clarity, the way that he's revealed himself, that's a game changer. That's so different than religion. That's so different than keeping people busy with, you know, stuff. It's like helping to help people see the clarity of God will transform their lives. The second one is we pray bold prayers. And so, you know, I think a lot of times when we think about bold prayers, we think about, you know, God, will you, will you give us a million dollars? You know, or, 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 you know, would you have all 50,000 people in Hancock County come to faith in one moment? And like, that's, that's bold prayers. But uh, I think that's like big prayers and sometimes like uh, just straight up, uh, you know, asking God for some, some stuff is stupid. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but it's like, what if, what if our prayer shifted from like big, crazy, uh, you know, like just ridiculous stuff. And our bold prayers were things like this, asking the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of someone we love deeply to their own condition, right? Separate from him. What if we prayed for God to bring a spiritually dead person back to life? What if we prayed the bold prayer 
of asking God to give us freedom from sin in our own life, to help us take steps of spiritual growth, right? All of that. And so I think, I actually think some of the boldest prayers that you and I will pray is asking that God's will would be accomplished in us and through us, no matter what it is. That's a bold prayer, right? Because it's like, I'm not in control now. I'm actually living under the leadership of Jesus Christ. That's bold, right? Okay, letter C. Uh, so we invite each other into steps of spiritual growth. Uh, one of the things I think I love about this church is that uh, we are inviters and we are includers, right? It's just like part of who we are. If I could take time right now to share the stories of how I know different people have encountered the Lord, it all comes back to inviting, right? Like we're not clever at marketing. We're not good at like, you know, getting word out uh, via social media and all that kind of stuff. We're actually very bad. Uh, no, no diss on our social media team or things like that, but it's just not something we put... Over, you know, copious amounts of energy into. But what we are is we're inviters and we're includers. And I think one of the things that we could do to help people take steps of spiritual growth, literally right here, before you leave, you could do this, right? This would make a massive difference. One way you could invite someone else into a step of spiritual growth is to simply make somebody that you haven't met yet feel really, really welcome here and let them know that they're a part of the family. Let me tell you why. My family visited uh, five churches during the month of July. And uh, I'll just say very quickly, we had some churches, right? Very large, their services are amazing, production, all this kind of stuff. But what was lacking is we made it in and out of the building without one person saying a single word to us. Not a hello, good morning, glad you're here, here's your bulletin, nothing, right? And here's the truth. We found it really, really hard to engage in worship. We found it really hard to engage in the teaching because we felt very alone and very isolated in that moment. Now, contrast that with another church we went to, very, very large, very, very big, and we were welcomed all along the way. And actually, at the end of the service, this guy, his name's Brad, he comes up and he says, hey, uh, this is not a right question I'm supposed to ask, but I'm asking anyways. Are you new here? <laughs> and I said, yeah, how'd you know? And he goes, well, your kids are in the service with you. And so that meant one of two things. Uh, either you have really bad kids and they need to be in the service with you, <laughs> or you're new and you wanted them with you because they weren't ready to be in kids' ministry. And so we talked, we chatted. Long story short, we exchanged text, uh, phone numbers after that. We've been texting each other, connecting with one another, praying for each other, right? He's like, next time you're in Columbus, you come and you see us and we want to spend time with you guys, right? One time, one visit, right? That's a game changer, right? That changes everything. So that's one simple way we can help people take steps of spiritual growth, just make them feel really, really welcome. Okay, what are we at? Uh, numero cuatro. Uh, we celebrate big when God moves. This is out of Luke 15. Jesus tells three stories, right? Lost coin, or excuse me, lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. What happens at the end of every one of those stories when the lost thing is found? What happens? Party time. Yes, that's right. There's a party. There's a celebration, right? There's the fattened goat or calf, right, is, is taken care of. We never do goats, right? Um, but uh, here we are. We're getting goats. Uh, I think that's what we're having for lunch today at the uh, picnic. We've been fattening up a goat, right? Jackson, uh, Jackson Farms have been taking care of it. I don't know. Okay. Um, anyways, but we celebrate big when somebody takes a step of baptism. We cheer. We bring out cowbells, right? When somebody prays, when somebody starts reading the Bible for the first time. If you've been in our 
our pre-service huddles when we gather, one of the questions we always ask, is anybody serving for the very first time? And when they say yes, the whole place erupts into celebration and cheering because it's like that's, that's a move of God when somebody does something like that. And so we celebrate big. Uh, here's number five. We serve and lead as a team. The reason this is, this is just the default of the New Testament, right? Overwhelmingly, it's written in the plural and the we and together. Jesus put a team together, right? 12 guys. The Holy Spirit, you look at Acts 2, brings a team together, 120 people. Paul, when he's out traveling, he always has a team. The default style of ministry is team. It's not in isolation. It's not by yourself. It's not you go and you be the hero because in reality, who is the hero? Jesus, not me. Right, Jesus. So if I come out of this thing and I look better than Jesus did, I did my job really poorly. Right? And so we learn, we serve, and we lead as a team. And here's the last one, big one, uh, is we're real with each other. We're real with each other. Um, so one of the reasons I shared with you what I did at the beginning of the service is uh, sometimes, sometimes on Sunday mornings, um, I hide. Okay? Just being transparent for a second. Sometimes on Sunday mornings I hide. And, and I don't mean I go like in my office and I lock the door and nobody can find me or I'm hiding in a closet somewhere, you know, like coming out, ah! Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not you know, <laughs> nothing like that. But I'll hide. And what I mean by that is you'll ask me how I'm doing and I'll say I'm fine. I'm good. Everything's okay. Right? And in reality, it's not right? Like I'm frustrated with something. I'm hurt by something that happened the day before or, or even that morning, right? Like I know nobody in this church is, but I like um, somebody, sometimes I can imagine like in our family, maybe Christine and I get in an argument before we get here, right? None of you deal with that, but we do sometimes. And it's like, you know, how's things going for it's great. Couldn't be better. <laughs> you know, and they ask Christina, you know, don't talk to her, <laughs> you know, but uh, here, here's the thing. Here's why I share that. Um, I would guess in a room this size, maybe you do the same thing sometimes. We wear masks all week long in all kinds of different places, school, work, family gatherings, all of that kind of stuff. And I started to wonder, what if, what if this was the one place you could take it off? What if this is the one place you could, somebody said, hey, how you doing today? And you go, I don't know. I don't really know how to answer that question. And like, you just kind of pulled off to the side and you said, hey, tell me about it. Talk to me for a second. What's going on? Right? And there's no judgment. There's no anything. Because it's like, we're all wrestling with stuff. What if somebody's like, can I pray for you? How cool would that be? How cool would it be that if this place became known as you don't have to wear a mask. And if you share something, people are going to listen without judgment. And the thing they're probably going to have you walk away with, from with them is prayer and encouragement and love. And that people wouldn't go like, oh, the music was so, and the teaching was, but they would go, that, that place knows how to follow Jesus. That's a community there. That's a place where the Holy Spirit lives, right? And so this is how we help people say yes to Jesus. This is what we do. And so we do the work that God has called us to. Um, and we trust God to, that, to do the things that only he can do, right? There's things that only God can do. And if you cross over into trying to do what only God can do, that's now crossing into manipulation. That's now crossing into religion. That's now crossing into things that aren't for us to do. But there are some things we can do. I think these six are actually pretty helpful. And so know that God has done a work in you through Christ, so that he can do work through you in the world. So I got two ideas, just two ideas you might consider 
uh, this week. There are actually next steps on your connection card, so if you pulled out that little blue card, you can flip it over to the back and take a look at them. Uh, the two ideas are this. It's really one big idea broken down into two, but it's this. Um, like, st start doing the things God called you to do, right? Engage in the work of God. Consider joining a ministry team. Right, Pastor Matt mentioned that earlier today. We got all kinds of ministry teams. Uh, some we, we weren't able to list on that uh, on that video, but uh, consider doing that. Right? Actually, the connection team is meeting this Saturday morning. The meet, greet, and eat, um, and so they're going to talk about how do you create a warm, welcoming environment for people to discover who God is. There's also going to be food there, and I got to tell you, if the Chehis make food, you want to be there. Okay, I have been there for Chehi food, phenomenal. All right, so you can sign up for that on your connection card. The other thing that's happening this Saturday at 10 o'clock is our Serving Saturday. So just very quickly, a team of people are going into our county, and we're going to do one of. We're going to have three projects so you can choose one of three prayer walk in neighborhood servant evangelism right random acts of kindness in jesus name or having gospel conversations with people where you pray for them and see if god opens up the door right so there's like different levels you can engage yourself in uh, maybe you want to challenge yourself by just coming out and prayer walk in the neighborhood maybe you want to get into conversations with people but check those out those are two ideas you might consider you can take those next steps on your connection card and we'll be able to help you get information so you can engage in that but but i want to say this you, you have purpose if you're in christ you have purpose you have meaning you have work that god prepared beforehand for you to do and for you to engage in. And the reality is for a lot of us, we have this barrier that gets in the way of joining God in his work. And the barrier typically is this. My life is way too messed up for it. God could never use me. You don't know my past. You don't know my present. You don't know what I'm struggling with, what I'm wrestling with. God could never use me. When I was young, my grandmother, before she passed away, gave me this ceramic bear lamp, right? It's kind of this cartoony thing. And over time, the bear actually kind of came loose off of the lamp base. And so what I would do, is I would play with this ceramic bear, right? And so it's, but it's a ceramic bear, <laughs> okay? So what can you guess happened one day when I was playing with the ceramic bear? It broke, right? I dropped it and it broke. Not like into a million pieces, but in like nine or 10 big ones. So there's like hope. I can put this back together, right? And I did. I think I was like 10 or 11 years old. And so I found the super glue or whatever it was. Started with Elmer's. That's no good. And, you know, you got to go to the super glue because glue is no good. Um, and I put it together and it actually came back together, right? But you know, when you put broken stuff back together, it's not quite right, right? It's like some things don't line up exactly the same. There's little pieces missing, all of that. So that's happened. And so this sings together and, and it was actually like, oh, thank you. And then from there, you know what I did with that bear? I just put it up. I never touched it again because it's like, that's broken. I already broke it once. It's going to break easier the next time, right? You're not a ceramic bear, okay? Yes, You've experienced brokenness. Yes, you have sin in your life. Yes, you have ways that you're still wrestling, walking in line with Jesus' leadership. All that's true. And even after being saved by Jesus from your sin, you still have cracks in your life. Okay? But you need to know, you're not a ceramic bear that Jesus puts back together and then puts on the shelf and you can only watch from the side. You need to know that Jesus uses broken people. 
And what's remarkable is it's actually through the cracks in your life that the light of Christ shines through. The glory of God actually shines through, right? That's, that's 2 Corinthians. And he uses that to let other people know, yeah, you can come. It's good to come. And so you were created in God's image. You were recreated in Christ through his work on the cross and out of the grave. And so what I want to say to you, right? You're not, you're not my kids. I'm your brother. And so I'm not trying to say this to belittle you, but I want to be really clear. Don't, don't waste your life on yourself. Don't do it. Don't waste today on yourself and don't waste your life on yourself. Join God in the work that he has for you to do. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And I want you to ask this question, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I just want you to listen to him. What's he saying to you? Father, I pray more than anything that you have been seen in clarity. Your glory has shone through the cracks. God, I, I know the power of your word and, and, and how amazing it is. And that, Jesus, you have the words of life. Where else would we go? And so I can imagine that all of the distractions and all the barriers that a person faces, they're kind of going... I hear what you're saying, preacher, but I don't know if that's for me. I just pray, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would demolish those lies. You would put a hunger and a desire for your children to chase after you hard, to follow after you wherever you go. And when we're scared, we would ask for courage and we would walk scared, knowing that we hold the hand of the one who holds the universe. In just a moment, what we're going to do is the band's going to lead us in one more song, and we're going to have uh, an opportunity for you to take a step of prayer, a step of faith. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have prayer leaders available in each corner of the room. We'll have one up here by the cross, one over here on my left, your right, back by the sound booth, back by the double doors. And, and these leaders are here, and they're available for you to pray about any area of your life at all, right? And so please don't ever be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. Um, and so what will happen is the band's going to sing. We're going to stand up. And I'm going to invite you to step out of your row, come down the aisle to one of the corners, and just pray. And what you'll do when you walk up there is you'll, maybe you'll introduce yourself, and you'll say, this is what I'd like you to pray about. And, and then our leaders will pray for you. So um, let me pray for you, and then I want to invite you to do the same. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.